for the last uh, two episodes, this is now the third episode, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about the spirit of religion. So Marcus, if you say, what is the spirit of religion? That is a great question. Let me give you just a real quick, I know we've kind of talked about this before, but I'm going to give you guys a quick definition of the religious spirit because we're going to be talking about more so how to break the religious spirit. So here is a definition of the religious spirit. Here's my definition. The religious spirit is a literal demonic spirit or stronghold that influences someone to operate in traditions, works, and outward appearance rather than a genuine relationship and the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. So that's what I believe that the spirit of religion is. So when I say that, I'm I'm talking about man-made efforts. Um, man-made efforts to try to please God or try to put on the appearance that you are pleasing God and that you have a relationship with him. So this is real guys. This is serious. And this is actually, people are being affected by this. So I talked about this a couple of episodes. The religious spirit is not just a Christian thing. This is not just something you see in Christians. People are dealing with this outside of Christianity. Right. The religious spirit, it works to get you to operate in traditions, works and outward appearance. So if you think about it, anything that you try to do to connect to God outside of a relationship with Jesus is religion. And this is why I say that the spirit of religion can affect Christians, churches and communities. What do I mean by that? I mean, you can step, you cannot step a foot in a church ever in your life and you could deal with the religious spirit or the stronghold of religion in your life. And this is why it's so important to not understand just what it is, which we talked about in episode 10, not just understand the signs to recognize the spirit of religion. That was episode 11, but how to break free from the religious spirit. Now I want to do this guys. I'm going to kind of share some personal things with you. And then I'm going to give you some tips and I'm going to give you some, I need to stop moving around in my chair. I'm already hyped guys. Uh, I want to give you guys some, uh, some tips and uh, some steps on how to break the religious spirit. But let me first and foremost, start by doing and saying this. I'm not just talking about this from the, from the perspective of casting out the demon of religion or breaking the stronghold of religion over other people. This is something that I have seen in my walk with God, in my walk with Jesus. I've been saved almost eight years. I get excited when I talk about it because God saved me. I got a new life. Um, I'm coming up on eight years being saved and serving the Lord. And I want you to understand this is that I've, I've, I've a lot of deliverances, a lot of a stronghold breaking. I've seen God do it uh, to other people through me. But the most important is when God brings you freedom yourself. And I can sit here and tell you as zealous as I am, as on fire as I am, and as in love with God as I am. I have personally dealt with a spirit of religion. Okay. Now I'm going to, I've talked about the difference between like the literal, um, spirit, demonic spirit and a stronghold. So I'm going to break that down really quick and I'm going to share some stuff with you and then give you some tips. All right. So when I'm talking, so, um, I mentioned that you can have a literal demonic spirit that influences you, um, to operate in religion. What's up, Crystal? God bless you. Hope you're doing good. Good to see you. Um, you can deal with a literal spirit, okay, demonic force that uh, influences you to operate in religion and not relationship, 
Okay, then you can also deal with the stronghold, the mindset and the barriers you've placed in your mind that force you to operate in a certain way. Now, watch this. I believe that I dealt with when I say I dealt with the spirit of religion, I believe personally in my life, not that I dealt with a demonic spirit, but that I had strongholds in my mind born out of watch this born out of an orphan spirit. Now, I want to share some stuff with you on my on my walk with God. A lot of you have heard my story of how I got saved. If you haven't, um, I believe that is. Uh, it's on my YouTube is my testimony. And I'm actually going to add that into the podcast. It's going to be like a special episode. Uh, anyway, moving forward. When I got saved, guys, my story is beautiful. It's amazing. It's radical. I had a saw to Paul transformation. I was instantly delivered of multiple things. I was instantly set free from a lot of things. I was instantly healed. Um, I had a lot of things that the Lord did to, for me in a very a very rapid moment. It was quick for me. And after that moment, I just became this wildfire for the kingdom of God. But even though I was very on fire and in love with the Lord, I had this mentality of even though he saved me, even though he set me free, all these things that now I had to do works and do things to get God's approval. Let me under, let me show you. Because we can look at the Pharisees and say, oh, the spirit of religion, blah, 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 they're bad. The spirit of religion isn't just in religious people, it's in broken people. Come on, some of y'all need to catch that. The spirit of religion isn't just in religious people, it's also in broken people. I was in love with the Lord, I was radically saved, but I was broken. And therefore, because I was broken, even though God radically saved me and transformed me, I still had these, um, these con concepts in my mind. Watch this, that I had to do things in order to get God's love and approval. So I would be leading Bible studies, leading classes, serving in ministry, doing deliverances, you name it, I did it. And amongst my time doing all of this stuff, I felt like if I didn't do enough of it on a daily basis, God was mad at me. I felt like if I watch this, I'm being dead serious. I felt like in my early stages of my walk with Christ, I was so in love with them, which I still am. God, uh, God bless you, Jonah Lisa. Uh, Jonah Lisa. I was still in love with them. I was set on fire for him. And I was doing great things in the kingdom, learning and growing. But I felt like if I didn't do enough of different things, that God was mad at me. So I could have a great day. I would be in a, watch this. I could be a great father to my kids all day, a great husband to my wife all day, sharing my faith, loving other people, um, you know, just being a, a, a good person through the grace of God. And if I didn't pray long enough that day, by the time I got to the end of the day, I thought God was mad at me and he didn't want to talk to me. If I didn't go to certain events at church, watch this. I felt like God was mad at me. And this is why I want to talk about getting out of religious churches or getting out of religious groups. Because if you're not careful, other people will put weights on you. Matthew 20, I believe 25 or 23 talks about this. Jesus said that, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You place these weights and these yokes on people that you won't bear yourself. And if we're not careful, we can get to this place where we allow others, uh, others' opinions, others' judgments, and others' desires for our life 
life to weigh us down and make us feel like we have to perform or do certain things so that God will be happy with us. And I had to realize, watch this, that nothing that I did or didn't do made him love me any more or any less. But when you have the religious spirit, when you're operating from a spirit of religion, you really believe, watch this, you believe either out of pride or out of, um, or out of bondage that you have to do things to get God's approval. I had to deal with this. If I didn't pray long enough, fast long enough, or read enough every day, I felt like I got that God was disappointed in me. And I want you to understand this. This is a, this is an important part to understand right here. I was doing great things for the kingdom. I was doing great things in the church, in my community. I was sharing my faith. I was preaching. I was seeing people getting saved. I was seeing people get delivered. I was seeing people get healed. All this stuff. And I'm in love with Jesus. And I felt like I felt like I had not this. Watch this. I didn't feel like I had a badge on my chest because of it. But I felt like, okay, well, now God's happy with me. So he'll actually talk to me when I go to pray. This was a major stronghold and it was a blockade in my life for the first couple of years of my walk with God. Guess what? He still spoke to me. He still gave me visions and dreams. He still moved in my life. He still led me by his spirit. But I had to deal with this. And this is one of the biggest difference between the literal demonic spirit and the action a stronghold of the religious spirit is this. The stronghold, again, is a way of thinking. It's a blockade around your mind that conforms you to something that does not submit itself to obedience to Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians. And the spirit, a literal demonic spirit that will uh, that will uh, influence you to operate in religious tendencies, it is an overwhelming burden and desire that you couldn't shake if you wanted to. So there's a difference between the, the, the uh, stronghold of the mind and an overwhelming force driving you to do something that you don't want to do. That is a spirit, that is a literal demonic force, and we're going to talk about what to do about that in a little bit. So I want you to understand this. I got saved in 2013. God's doing great things in my life. He's doing great things in my family. He gave us a new baby girl. I mean, things are going amazing. God is growing our influence. He's growing our stature. You know how I talked about how Jesus grew in, grew in grace before God and before men. That was happening. My, the first few years of my walk with God, he's doing great things in my life. So much so that I had several I had several great opportunities before I even stepped into full-time ministry. Um, I got an opportunity to go to Cuba. It ended up getting canceled, but that's another story. Um, so that happened. What else happened? Um, you know, we got elevated in ministry, had literally had people jealous because I was getting positions in ministry that I wasn't asking for, but people got, people saw the grace of God on our lives, me and my wife, and it just came to us and other people got jealous because of it. That ain't on me. That's on you, boo boo. And I watched this. Two and a half years later, after getting saved, I start ministry for the first time. And I want, I want to tell you something that literally began to break the spirit of religion off of me, uh, the religious spirit off of me. January 2016, we start as youth pastors for the first time. And God is, watch this. I want you to hear me clearly. God is moving in the ministry. Young people are getting saved. Young people are getting healed. Young people are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm going into schools and there's fruit. I'm seeing young people start clubs. I'm seeing young people start to get their friends saved. I'm seeing young people start to bring their friends to youth group. And I'm talking about like, listen, 
real stuff is going on like deliverances are happening salvations healings baptism in the holy spirit homosexuality being broken drug addiction being broken i mean these things are literally happening y'all and all the while i was still dealing with this so watch this because i didn't fully get free of this religious spirit god bless you eric good to see you bro because I did not fully get free of this religious spirit myself, it began to bleed into my ministry. Come on. It began to bleed into the thing that God called me to do. Because I didn't deal with it in my heart, it began to bleed into the thing that God called me to do to bless others. And in certain areas where I was called to help others, I ended up hurting other people. And there were two young men in my youth group that the Lord used to begin to break that spirit of religion off of me. Um, the first one's name, um, his name is Samuel. He's a great young man. He's actually a youth pastor now. He was um he was a youth he was a student of mine. And he became a youth pastor. Uh, he became a children's pastor. Then he became a youth pastor. Uh, but he's doing great things in the kingdom of God now. He's up in uh, like, like North Florida. This young man, let me tell you what he did for me. When I got, when I started my youth ministry, I was this, I was zealous. I'm on fire. God's moving. But I was too serious, guys. I was just too, I wasn't stuck up and prideful. I was just too serious and i felt like if you're if you're not serious enough god will not use your ministry if you're not serious enough god will not move in your ministry he won't move amongst the things that you're trying to do so what happened was i was the, the students loved me but i was a little bit too serious sometimes so i mean listen i was I, you, want to, you want to talk about religious stuff i would tell students listen I, the permission slip is due on this day if you don't have it on this day you ain't going on the trip and, ki and kids would turn their permission slips late. And I'd be like, bro, you ain't going. I told you it needed to be in by this day. I had no mercy. I had no slack. I'm telling you real stuff, y'all. I had no slack, no mercy. And I would have to have, like, my wife or somebody would come up and tell me, like, yo, come on, like, like chill. So my wife was like, yo, chill, let them come. Like, it's really not that big a deal. Or I see them super sad, and I'd be like, all right, well, it's just one time. Whatever it is, you know. And I was just very, I was strict, and there was no room for like any mercy or grace over people's lives. And this student Samuel, so I say that to say this, um, this dude loved me. I loved him. He was like a son. He's like a spiritual son. And this was the most goofy kid. He loved, listen, watch this. He loved the Lord. He was passionate. He was zealous. He was on fire and he loved God with everything, but he was as goofy as they came and he would just be doing dumb stuff. And he, he became like family to us and he would be over my house all the time. We would be, um, you know, he'd come over, we play games or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, we talk about the Lord, you know, all that fun stuff. We be in the Bible and pray. And he's like, oh, that's great. Let's play some Xbox. And I'm like, no, let's pray some more. And he was like, no, I don't want to pray no more. Let's play Xbox. So we play some Xbox and we'd have fun. And, you know, he. so the, the relationship that I had with him, and this is why you got to be teachable. Listen to me. You got to be teachable because if I was too prideful, I would not have learned the lesson that God taught me from this young man. Literally, this young man, he loved me. I loved him. He honored me. I honored him. But he was himself. And he brought freedom to me because he taught me this simple lesson. He taught me to stop taking myself so serious. He taught me 
that God, you can be as goofy as they come and God's still going to use you. You want to know why? Because he would be acting a fool. He'd be doing some crazy stuff, some silly stuff. And God and God would still use them and God was still saving people at his school. He was still blessing the ministry that he was doing at his school. People were still listening to him preach. He was still having influence. And I'm watching and I'm like, bro, I don't know if he's ever serious, but for some reason, God's still using him. And God taught me, I made him how I made him and I made you how I made you. Be yourself and, and realize I'm still going to use you. And so just having that relationship with him, I didn't even tell him I was going to share this. I'm going to have to text him later, tell him to listen to this because, um, because I believe it's blessing somebody. But so that was one thing that I learned and it broke me guys. So this happened over the course of about six months. And so January of 2016, this happened, I'd say by like August of 2016, that really broke me. Like I like I did I stopped taking myself so serious. I wasn't so like strict. I wasn't so like rigid. All these things. Um now the second thing I want to say is this. Watch this. You know, I had in our youth group, we had we had our um our adult leaders and we had our student leaders. We called them lit leaders in training. Come on, somebody. You know how it is. When you're in youth ministry, you gotta have the cool names. Like be spiritual, but have the cool names. So they they named themselves the lit team. Uh, leaders in training. Anyway, one of my lit students, he was about to graduate and, you know, we're doing our thing. He's a great student. God's, you know, just really moving in his life. And I remember he sent me a text and this is where I knew I had to get some, I still had some freedom to get. He sent me a text and I was mad. He sent me a text. He said, Hey, Pastor Marcus, can I give you some advice? I said, yeah, man, what's up? He said, man, we love you so much. We love what you're doing. We're so grateful you're here. But sometimes you're just a little bit too strict and like you're just like, like we just feel like you could relax a little bit. And I remember texting and I remember in my spirit, bro, I was like so mad. I was like, yo, who does he think he talking to? And I remember I sent them a text back and I was like, yeah, you know, um, we're all learning and growing. And as long as, you know, we're trying to keep God the main focus, he takes care of everything or something just super religious. Right. And I ended up praying and I was like yo that was wrong that was wrong and I started to examine my life and I started to pray and I was like okay there's still some areas I still need to work on this in but the problem was I, I accepted the lifestyle of somebody else but I couldn't accept correction from somebody else because here's my thing you might listen you under my you under me you under my ministry you don't get to tell me that that was my mindset right that was my mindset is because we think when you deal with the religious spirit you think that you're above correction you think you're above correction you think you're always right and you think that people will have some sort of audacity when they try to bring correction to you and he said can i give you some advice i just want to throw this your way do what you want with it you know what i'm saying and um and i couldn't handle it and I got mad at him. And for days I was praying over it and God broke some things over me. Now, literally, I went and I apologized. So I said, man, you know what? You're right. And let me tell you, when that happened back in 2016, it changed my ministry and my life forever. Because, again, I was on fire. I was zealous. I was madly in love with God. I was doing my thing, but I was dealing with this thing where I was just rigid. I was strict and I didn't have a lot of mercy and grace for people. And it, it was a blockade and it hindered some people where it could have really helped them. And I had to repent for that. And I had to get, I had to break some strongholds. So now I want to talk to you about what that looked like in my life. As we kind of go through some of these steps, Pastor Gio, I love you. If you're still in here, you are the man. 
You are gold, my friend. I love you. So watch this. This is some of the things that I recognize as I'm going about. Hold on, let's, there we go. As we're get as I'm getting my freedom from this religious spirit. First and foremost, Revelation 3:19, I believe it is. It says this. Uh, Jesus is talking to the church and he says, be zealous and repent. If you realize that you're dealing with the religious spirit, a spirit of religion, how to break free from it is to be zealous and repent. Watch this. Be zealous and repent. It doesn't say be lukewarm and repent. It doesn't say be half in half out and repent. And it doesn't say be cold and dead and apathetic um, and repent. It says be zealous and repent. Here's the thing about religion. A lot of a lot of religious people are zealous. They will show up on time. They got their cute outfit on. They can shout with the best of them. They can quote all the scriptures. They are zealous. You got to remember Paul himself in the book of Philippians, I believe. I believe chapter three, Paul said, listen, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was I was more zealous than everybody else. And Paul himself recognized that it wasn't enough. So what we got to recognize is be zealous, be on fire, but repent. And this is what holds so many people back from the spirit of religion, because I said this is, I believe, episode 10. Go back and listen to it. Ha ha. I like the plug. In episode 10, I believe I was talking about this. The spirit of religion operates in deception. No, most people don't think that people that deal with the spirit of religion or a religious spirit, they don't think that they have a religious spirit. They don't think they're religious and they don't think they're doing anything wrong. And that's the thing about deception. I heard John Bevere say like this. Deception is so nasty because you believe in everything in your heart that you're right. When in reality, you're 100 percent wrong and you need some correction. So if you feel like you may possibly be dealing with the spirit of religion or religious spirit or strongholds in your mind that are blockading the move of God, you've got to repent. You've got to acknowledge this thing and say, Lord, I'm dealing with this. I don't even feel like I'm dealing with it sometimes. I don't even want to talk about this right now, but I'm dealing with it, Lord, and I need your help. Forgive me and turn away. So number one, how to break free the religion, uh, the religious spirit, be zealous, therefore, and repent revelation three nineteen. number two. And now there's a difference between number two and number three. So it's kind of like two a and two B watch this number two, optional, not optional, sorry, possible way to break the religious spirit is standard deliverance. One of the possible ways to get deliver to get freedom from the spirit of de uh, religion is standard deliverance. So what do I mean by that, Marcus? Like I'm, I'm gonna say this again. I know I've repeated it, but it's important. There's a difference between a literal demonic spirit that is influencing you to operate in religion and the stronghold of religion. So if you determine that it is a, the demonic spirit, then you go through standard deliverance where you cast the demon out. We're not going to go into detail of how to cast a demon out. That's for another one. There's plenty of people that actually I'm going to be real with you guys. I've done plenty of deliverances before, but there are people that can teach it way better than me. So we're going to get to it when I feel like I'm able to teach it in a way that will bless somebody anyway. Standard deliverance, casting the actual demon out. If there's a demon that is influencing you to operate in religion, you've got to cast it out. Marcus, how do I recognize if it's an actual demon that's doing this or if it's just a stronghold and I need to break my way of thinking? That's a great question. Whoever asked that, it was nobody. I asked it myself. Praise the Lord. This is how you notice the difference. I said this earlier. I'm going to say it one more time. 
the stronghold, the mindset and the forges around your mind that force you to operate in a way that is uh, contrary to the obedience of Christ Jesus is a change of a mind frame. It's pulling down the stronghold, the forges and the blockades that are hindering you from obeying Christ in his way, in his form, in his fashion. But the religious spirit. So how do you know the difference? The difference is this. The stronghold is in the mind. So when you have a hard time thinking differently about the way to operate according to the obedience to Christ, you're dealing with the stronghold. When you're dealing with the spirit, this is a practical way to, to, to notice it. You get an overwhelming urge and desire to comply or to do something that lines up with religion rather than relationship. And you can't help it if you want it to. This is why I say I believe I dealt with a stronghold and not an actual spirit. It wasn't an overwhelming urge to do something. It wasn't an overwhelming urge to be somebody or to operate a certain way. For me, it was a mind frame. It was a mind frame. And again, I'm going to go into the detail of what that looks like because it has to do with the next point. But watch this. If you are dealing with this thing where you recognize and you can tell it's an overwhelming urge or desire to judge people, to look down on people or to compare yourself and you can't stop even if you want to. It is nine times out of ten uh, actual demon that needs to be cast out. Now I'm going to talk about this part. Standard deliverance is for when you have the actual demon, right? Breaking the spirit of religion, when it comes to the stronghold, you have to break down the stronghold of the lies of religion with the truth of God's word. Now, watch this. I dealt with this religious spirit and these strongholds because I dealt with a lot of issues recognizing who I was and what Jesus did for me. When you have a hard time remembering what Jesus did for you, you're more likely to operate in the spirit of religion because you will forget that Isaiah 56, I believe, says all of our filth, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. It's, lit <laughs> it's literally dung in the eyes of God. It's nothing special. It's actually nasty. You can't do anything to please God in your own flesh, in your own will, and in your own power. This is why Jesus came, amongst other things. We could talk about that all day. It is to do what we couldn't do. And that is to pledge and shed his blood for the remission of our sins. Okay? So because he did that, we can step boldly forth and we can come into the throne of grace and we have grace and we have this ability to draw near him and offer sacrifices that are pleasing to him. Outside of Jesus, we don't have anything that pleases God. And when you recognize this, it breaks the spirit of religion off of you because it'll stop you from performing the works that you're performing for the sake of getting him to get in a good mood. And it'll stop you from doing things for the sake of if I don't do this, then then people won't like me as much and they won't notice me as much. When you recognize that, then this is what you do. You step into sonship because sonship breaks the spirit of religion off of you. I'm going to read you guys a couple of verses here. And we're honestly not even going to go too much uh, longer after this. I say that and you know how we get. So watch this. I'm going to read a couple of verses over you that helped me understand my rightful place in the kingdom. I want you to understand, I don't care what your occupation is. If you are saved, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus, watch this. Before you're a minister, before you're a pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, apostle, before you're a business owner, before you're a dad or a mom, before you're a brother or a sister, you are a son or daughter of 
of the most high. This is why, watch this. This is why people that are uh, obsessed with titles typically have a sonship issue because I don't care what you call me. People call me Pastor Marcus. They call me Prophet Marcus, uh, uh, Evangelist Mar I've, I've heard, I've literally heard it all. <laughs> I've literally heard every name in the book. I'm not even going to like, I'm going to be real with you guys right now because I'm not saying this to boast in myself. It's literally since I've been saved, one of my nicknames to my friends have been Bishop and I can't stand it. It makes me mad. So what do I do? I call it back to them and they don't even care. They're like, I don't get mad when you call me that. You're the one that gets mad. It's just a fun little thing that they do. Anyway. I've been called every name in the book. People ask me, they've literally asked me, Marcus, what do you prefer to be called? If I do a, a, a event or something, do you want me to call you pastor? Do you want me to call you evangelist? Do you want me to call you prophet? And I tell them, bro, this is what I tell them. I'm being dead serious. When I talk to God, God calls me by one name and it's not Marcus. Since the moment I've been saved, Anytime God speaks to me and he addresses me, he has called me son. This is beautiful and it's powerful. This will break religion off you right here. Because if God, if the God of the universe calls me son, why in the world would I care what you call me? So when people ask me, what do you prefer to be called? Marcus. <laughs> and I only ain't going to let you call me son because you ain't my daddy. Come on, somebody. The point I'm trying to make is this. Before I'm a pastor, preacher, whatever you want to call me, minister, I'm a son. So therefore, I don't care about the titles. I don't care about the names. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I'm a son first. So let me read these verses to you guys. These are some powerful verses that'll break the religious spirit or the stronghold of religion off of you. Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. If you are God's child, you're led by the spirit and not the law. That is important to understand because if we're not careful, we think because we're following rules, we're following Jesus. Come on. We think that if we're following rules and we're following Jesus, that's not always the case. What's up, T? Good to see you. Just because you're following rules doesn't mean you're following Jesus. I said this in a couple episodes before. It's not about following rules. It's about following the ruler. That's Romans 8.14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Romans 8.15, the very next verse is powerful. Come on. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. This is uh, uh, NLT. You have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead... You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. You've been brought into the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. Come on, somebody. We've been given the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted into the family of Christ. We are sons and daughters of him now. There was nothing you could have done to make yourself a son or a daughter. He did it for you. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself. Watch this. Through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. I'm a, this, this is important right here. This is what he wanted to do. 
not what you convinced him to do, not what you babbled in his ear till you got too annoying for him to do. This is what God wanted to do. He wanted to bring you into adoption. He wanted to bring you into family, into sonship, and make you a son or daughter. It was his good pleasure to do so. He decided in advance. This means this. The works you've been trying to do to get him on your, on your good side aren't working. He already decided he's going to put you on his good side, not your works. Come on. Galatians 3.26, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. A couple more for you. Romans 4, 5 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem. <laughs> I love this. Bro, you got to get the simple gospel back. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son who was born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, what? Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Come on. That religion is making you a slave. Those works are making you a slave. Those traditions are making you a slave. The makeup and outer, outer appearance that you're putting on to fool people, you're a slave to it. I'm about to break this thing off of somebody right now. There's this thing that goes around where you think if you got enough makeup on, you're more holy. I don't care. Listen, baby, I don't care how high your heels are. The Lord cares how low your knees are. Oh, I feel that. It doesn't matter how high your heels are. It matters how low your knees are. And the Lord is not looking for the prideful, but he's looking for the humble that say, I recognize that I couldn't do this on my own. So he did it for me. Come on, men of God. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how tight your tie is. It matters how tight your towel is. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter how tight your tie is. It matters how tight your towel is. If you can go low and you can serve other people and recognize that I'm doing this out of the goodness of the God in me. Come on, somebody. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ, you are an heir. You're an heir. You don't have to fight for nothing. You don't have to fight for his approval. You don't have to fight for his attention. You've already got it. And guess what? You don't have to fight for inheritance. You were born into it. Y'all better stop before I start preaching in this joint. 1 John 3, 1. See how great. Come on. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. Romans 1.12, but to all those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans, I believe, 5.25, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You were a sinner and he died. You didn't convince him to do it. You didn't get on his good side and you didn't do enough to make him want to forgive you. While we were sinners that could do nothing about it, Christ died for us. Come on. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, not your works. And this is one of my favorites. We've talked about this before. We talked about it in the last episode when we talked about uh, compare, being distracted by other people's worship. When Jesus vi visited the Pharisee's house, watch this. When Jesus visited the Pharisee's house, this woman came in. Watch. Come on. 
This woman came in and she began to anoint him, kiss him, and wash him. This is the biblical context to this. Jesus said, when I came in, you didn't give me any, you didn't anoint me with oil. This woman anointed me with oil. You didn't give me a kiss. This woman gave me a kiss. These were things that were customary to give to a guest. So when a guest would come into your home in some way or another, you would anoint them with a certain amount of oil and that would determine how long they could stay. That's number one. They didn't give Jesus no oil. So not only were they religious, but they couldn't even fulfill the law that they were telling other people to do. Come on. They would greet you with a holy kiss. They would give you a kiss as you came in. It was a customary greeting. It was a greeting that, hey, you are welcome here. You are invited in here. You are accepted here. They didn't give Jesus anything. So I want you to recognize this because this is powerful. The religious Pharisees, while he was interested and he wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, him being a religious man didn't fulfill any of the obligations he was supposed to. Watch this. But this woman, this sinful woman, the Bible calls her, she comes in. She does everything they were supposed to do. She fulfills, come on, she fulfills the traditions and customs, but she does it through a place of love and worship. Therefore, it was not only accepted, but it said anywhere the gospel is preached, this woman's name is going to be preached as well. Why? Because she was able to get to this place where she recognized, I don't even deserve to be doing this. But I feel still a drawing to it. Come on. But I feel feel a tugging. I'm not even worthy to touch this man, but I got to touch him anyway. I'm not even worthy to come near him, but I've got to anoint him. I'm not even worthy to be near him, so I'm going to go near his feet. And I recognize this. That and, and I recognize this. This woman understood not only tradition and customs, but she understood relationship. And she understood that when I come before Jesus humbly, he brings freedom to me. He brings freedom to me. Watch this. Because this is important. I want to say this as well. Come on. Let me say this. Revelation is found in relationship. Revelation is found in relationship. Religion will all, watch this. The spirit of religion will always block the spirit of revelation. The spirit of religion will always uh, uh, block the spirit of revelation. Marcus, can you prove it to me? Baby girl, baby boy, I wouldn't say it if I couldn't. Revelation chapter one. And the Lord's on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, John says. Watch this. And he sees Jesus. He hears Jesus. He hears his voice. He turns around and he sees them. He sees the hair that's white like wool. He sees the eyes like a flame of fire. He sees the feet like bronze. Come on, somebody. And he falls before him like he was dead. And Jesus picked them up. Watch this. Because of the relationship they had. Not only did he pick him up, not only did he visit him, but he picked them up. And then in Revelation 3, it says, come up here because there's things I want to show you. He was about to bring him revelation to what was going to come in the end times. And before he could do that, John had a relationship with him. And you've got to recognize that any time you are, uh, you are, you are um, lacking in revelation and you try to find it through reading it, watch this, it's going to sound weird. When you try to just read your Bible and think you're going to get revelation, you're going to miss out. 
Because 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, who can know the mind of God except the spirit of God? We've not been given the spirit of the world. We've been given the spirit of God. You want revelation. You're not going to find it by just reading the word. You're going to find it by stepping into a greater relationship and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Because the spirit of the Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. So when you are stepping in with the Holy Spirit in, in, in your relationship, it brings you to a place where God wants to reveal things. Come on, reveal things. And what is revealing is revelation. Revelation is a revealing of something that's hidden. So this thing isn't withheld. Oh, come on. Somebody got to hear this. It's not that it's withheld. It's that it's hidden. And relationship will bring you to find things that are hidden. If something's withheld, you can't get it. If God wants to withhold something from you, you can't get it from him. But there are certain things that I've revealed to certain people based on my level of relationship. Based on my level of relationship with them, there are things that my wife knows about me that none of y'all will ever know. Why? Because we have a level of relationship that I've been willing to uncover what was hidden in my heart for her to see. God does not want you to go through motions to try to get him to do something he doesn't want to do. Watch this. You can't pay God enough money because God's not a prostitute. You can't pay God enough money because he's not a cheap escort. God is the God on the throne and he has wisdom for you. He has revelation for you. He has things he wants to tell you, show you, reveal to you and take you into. But you're not going to get it by trying to get on his good side with works, traditions, customs and outward appearance. He says, recognize your lack, lean into my grace, rely on the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit, and allow me to lead you into rivers of living water. Couple more things I want to say. Come on, if this is blessing you, let me know. Couple more things I want to say to you, how to break the spirit of religion. So number one, we said, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Revelation 3.19. If you cannot repent, you cannot get set free. Number two. If you are dealing with the demon standard deliverance, if you're dealing with the stronghold, the way of thinking, you break down the stronghold with the truth of God's word. So for me, I had to recognize I am a son of God first before anything else. Therefore, I don't have to do anything for him to love me. He already does. That those scriptures that I read to you are great places to read, to pray and to speak until that thing is broken off of you. And you step in. Then number four. You step into sonship. Those verses will lead you and plenty more um, will lead you. If you're my friend, you'll obey what I have to say. Obedience leads you into friendship. That's a quick one. Obedience leads you into friendship. Watch this. Not sacrifice. What did the Bible say? Obedience is better than sacrifice. This is why Jesus said, if you obey, you are my friend. Not if you do all these things and go through these lists and motions, you are my friend. What did the man, what did he say to the rich young ruler? I know I'm going off on a tangent here. He said, listen, the rich young ruler said, I follow all these things since I was a youth. You lack one thing. Sell all you have and follow me. Obey this one thing. You have the world. And he couldn't do it. Why? Because he'd rather sacrifice than obey. And obedience is better than sacrifice. So, stepping into sonship. That's number four. Number five. How to break the spirit of religion. Stir up the living waters inside of you. Marcus, what in the world does that mean? Jesus provides us the Holy Spirit. He gives us rivers of living water flowing into everlasting life. How do you stir up the waters in your spirit? You get into prayer. Watch this. 
One of the best ways to break the spirit of religion off of you is to get in the secret place. This is super simple, but it will literally break this thing off of you. It will break this thing off of you. Come on. The secret place breaks pride. It breaks religion and it breaks every high thing in your life. Because when you get into the presence of God, when you stand before God and his throne and his power and his grace and his mercy, you'll realize nothing I can do will, will work. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter six. I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high lifted up the train of his ropes, filled the temple. The angels are crying out, holy, holy, holy. The first thing he says is, woe is me. Woe is me. There's nothing I can do. I'm a dead man. And God purged them. He cleansed them. Why? Isaiah got into this place where it was him and the Lord. And he had this vision that changed him forever and brought him into a place where he said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Get into the secret place. Because the secret place strips everything off of you. Why does the secret place strip everything off of you? It's because this. Nobody's there to notice you and clap for you. <laughs> nobody's there to notice you. Nobody's there to clap for you. Nobody's there to applaud you. Watch this. You don't get new followers in the secret place. You start following in the secret place. Yes, Lord. You don't get new followers in the secret place. You learn how to follow in the secret place. So instead of worrying about how many followers you got on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and whatever, all, there's a million apps out there. I know y'all got all of them. <laughs> Watch this. The secret place breaks the spirit of religion off of you because you meet with the God of relationship and he breaks it off himself. Come on. Pray in secret. The secret place will get you free. Because it's just you and God and you can't get any credit there. You can't walk away feeling good about yourself there for doing something that made God happy. Um, number six. Here we go. I got, uh, so I'm gonna say number six and then one more. So seven. <laughs> Here we go. Number six, spend time with God with no agenda. So we just talked about prayer, right? Get into the secret place, pray in secret. If you do these things, you're going to get blessed. But watch this. Go into the secret place with no agenda. This is why so many pastors and leaders can get sermons, but they're dead and they're dry. Why? Because you go into the secret place and you're saying, I need a sermon. I need a sermon. And you read and you just figure something out, but you don't go after the heart of God. One of the biggest, listen, God used to use me when I was uh, preaching and I would go into prayer and I say, okay, God, God, would you want me to preach? I need something to preach. But I stopped doing that. Preach it every week, at least once or twice. I just, I stopped. I stopped asking God what he wanted to say and uh, what he, no, watch this. I stopped asking God what he wanted me to say. And I started asking God, what are you saying? It is, let me, I'm being dead serious. It has been years since I have gone into the secret place, gone into prayer and asked God, what do you want me to preach about? I haven't done it in years. This is what I do when I preach, when I go somewhere and I speak, I just begin praying for them. If I'm going to a certain church, my church, wherever, I just start to pray for that ministry. I pray in the spirit. I pray over them. And I just say, Lord, how do you feel about them? This is literally what I say, y'all. Lord, how do you feel about them? What are you saying to them right now? Because I'm not going to preach you a sermon. I'm going to tell you what the spirit of the Lord is saying. 
whole nother story. I know a lot, not everybody that listens to this is going to be a preacher, but this is the point I'm trying to make. Go in there with no agenda. For, so for you ministers that are preaching, stop going in there looking for a sermon. Start going in there looking for the spirit. For those of you that aren't preaching sermons, which is probably most of you, watch this. Stop going in there with a list of things you want to accomplish. I'm not talk, I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm saying if you want to get free from the spirit of religion, take a break from your lists and your monologues. Take a break from it. Take a break from the monologues and all that fun stuff and all that crazy stuff. Why? Because when you learn how to just be with him, you learn how to just be yourself. When you learn how to just be with God, you learn how to just be yourself. And guess what? When you leave that place out of relationship and just getting to know him, spending time with him, it breaks the things off you that feel like you've got to do things for the sake of doing things. My God, I need y'all to share this. I'm talking so good. Um, it breaks the need to do stuff for the sake of doing stuff. Can I tell you, I'm going to be so serious, y'all. One of the things that have just revolutionized my prayer life is I will go into prayer and I will literally say, God, what do you want to do today? <laughs> Come on. God, what do you want to do today? What do you want to talk about, Lord? What are you thinking about? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I want to get off of this thing and go freaking play, pray right now, y'all. Can you? Can I tell you what that does to the heart of God? When you come before God, right, and you seek the kingdom and his righteousness first, your kingdom come, your will be done. When you seek his heart and not his hand, there, God, do, listen, God will do amazing things in your life when you seek his heart before you seek his hand. I'm not saying don't ask God for stuff. Ask, seek, knock, boo-boo, get you, get yours. But what I'm saying is this. There's this place in getting freedom where you recognize this is not a monologue. This is an encounter with the God of relationship that's not asking me to jump through seven hoops, pray seven prayers, and face the east so that he can talk to me. This is a God that says, come as you are, and I'm going to meet you where you are. And when I do that, you're going to walk out with so much freedom that you're not even going to think about doing stuff for the sake of doing it anymore because now you're walking in empowerment and not entanglement. Come on. When you get free of the religious spirit, you begin to walk in empowerment and you don't walk in entanglement. Come on, somebody. Last thing I'm going to say, and I, I told myself I would, listen, this is why I tell, I, this is why I stopped telling myself, oh, I'm not going to go long. I say it and then I immediately just renege on it and say, I'm just joking. Who knows? But guess what? We're at an hour. This is the last one I got for y'all. Break the, uh, how to break free of the religious spirit. This is number seven. Okay. So let's go through them again. Number one, be zealous therefore and repent. Number two, if it's a demon, standard deliverance. Number three, break down the stronghold of the lies of religion with the truth of God's word. Number four, step into sonship. Number five, stir up living waters. Get into prayer. Read the Psalms. Get into worship. That's, I didn't talk about that one very long. Read the Psalms. That'll break religion off of you real quick. Um, number six, spend time with God with no agenda. Number seven, last one, guys. Get out of the religious church you're in and get into the glory of God. I'm not, I'm not big on telling people to leave their churches. I'm big on telling you to leave dead environments and get where the spirit of the Lord is. I'm telling you to get into Emmanuel 
and get out of Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory of the God, <laughs> the glory is left. Emmanuel means God with us. We need to break down. We need to run from the Ichabod churches and get into Emmanuel churches. And let me just say this. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, and if you desire to see a move of God, I don't care how long you've been living in your hometown, you'll move if you need to. And this is, <laughs> I'm being so serious, y'all. I can't tell you how many times in my inbox or in my lives or when I'm preaching somewhere, people that tell me, oh, man of God, pray for this place is just dead and oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm not telling you to leave. I'm telling you to ask God if you need to go somewhere else. Some of y'all, God is calling you to plow and be faithful and dig wells of revival. God's telling some of y'all to do that. God is telling some of y'all to get out the dead church, go to a place that has life in it. Listen to me, not go to a place that's perfect and that you're going to agree with every sentence they say, not a place that has the best children's ministry and the best outreach ministry and the best worship and the best preaching and the best blah, blah, blah. Go to a church with life where the spirit of the Lord is that is spirit led, not just on a sign. I said this last week, I was preaching somewhere. We've got a lot of churches that have Pentecostal on the signs and propaganda in the seats. And we need to break that and we need to get back to following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and allowing the glory of God to fall. Because this is what happens. Last, maybe not last thing I'm going to say, but listen. This is what happens. Second Chronicles chapter 7. When Solomon builds the temple... It says this, when he was finished praying, the glory, watch this, the glory of God fell. And when the glory of God fell on the fire, it came with a, uh, on, uh, the glory of God fell on the fire. And it says this, afterwards, Solomon dedicated like 20,000 different sacrifices. He gave a bigger sacrifice than he'd ever given because the glory of God fell. What does that mean? When you get in the glory, the things you try to do out of obligation, you'll now do out of empowerment. The things you try to do out of duty, you'll now do out of dunamis. Come on, somebody. The things you try to do out of um, obligation, you'll now do out of sonship. You'll watch this. You'll do it out of, you'll go from doing it out of law to doing it because you're a co-laborer. And God is breaking this thing where he says, listen, come to me with the contrite heart, with a broken spirit and a humble heart. I'm going to pour out glory on you and you're going to be able to do more than you've ever done before. If you want to break the spirit of religion, if you're in a religious church that's dead dry and it's monotonous and all about the law and the outward appearance, stop thinking that God's calling you to change it if he hasn't called you to change anything and leave. It's okay. You'll be surprised how much freedom you get. Come on, somebody. You'll be surprised how much freedom you get. My God. Listen, y'all. I pray that this blessed you. I really felt like the Lord was on this thing. And um, I believe that God is doing something, man. He's He's breaking some things. He's shaking some things. Um, and he's getting us to this place where he's tearing down every high thing. I feel this strong. God is tearing down the idols in our hearts. He's tearing down the idols in the church and he's breaking religion off of us. And he's saying, hey, you can't do it on your own anyway. Submit to me. Follow my leadership and watch how I bring you into a new level of relationship that you've never had before. So, Father, in Jesus name, 
This is my prayer for every person that will listen to this and watch this. That if they are dealing with the religious spirit, Father, that they will repent and that they will get the freedom they need found in the spirit of God. Where your spirit is, there is freedom. That they will step into sonship. Lord, right now, we even begin to break over minds now, the strongholds that have bound people to obligations and duties and traditions of men rather than obedience and faith and grace. We tear those down now in Jesus' name and we say, Lord, that as we obey you and as we come into a rightful relationship with you, we're going to be able to do more than we ever could before out of our own power and strength. Our righteousness is filthy rags. But Lord, what you can do with those that have come to you in humility, those that have come to you and said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Would you help me? Would you lead me? Would you guide me? God, break it now and raise them up in freedom and relationship and power in Jesus name. In Jesus name. Guys, I pray this bless you. Episode 12 of the Heartburn Podcast, How to Break Free of the Religious Spirit. I uh, gave you seven tips and ideas, uh, seven tips um, on how to break the religious spirit. Pray that was a blessing. We will see you guys next episode in Jesus' name. Peace out.